YA, how you doing? Guys, feeling it tonight? Man, I believe the Spirit of God is in this place, and He's about to do something so special in your life. It may not look like what you think it's going to look like, but, but I believe that God is with you wherever you're at. I believe there's no darkness that can overcome you. I believe that he is in this place, so there is freedom, there is breakthrough. Whatever you are seeking, it can be found in Jesus Christ tonight. I believe that. And I think there's, a, there's an opportunity for a little praise break right now because, like, let's just read this real quick. It says, Summer at YA. Like, it doesn't say spring at YA, it doesn't say fall at YA, and it definitely doesn't say winter at YA, it says summer at YA. Like, I, I, don't, I don't know about you, but, but I believe that winter is actually a result of the fall of man. Like, I, I don't believe there was snow in the Garden of Eden. Like, come on. I believe that Adam and Eve were sipping pina coladas and enjoying it, you know what I mean? So, hey, we have something to, to praise about tonight. And so I am so excited to be here. You can go ahead and take a seat. Um, wow. Do you love your pastors? Red Rocks Youth, I love you. In the house, so good. Man, I'm expecting tonight, seriously, though, Andrew and Connor, you have the best pastors in the whole entire world. I believe that. Like, when Andrew left our youth team, um, to come and be with you guys because he felt called to it. Um, a piece went missing that can never be replaced. Andrew Matrone is one of the greatest voices and one of the greatest leaders that will ever walk this planet. I believe that with everything in me. And Connor, Connor is one of the most compassionate, one of the most compelling speakers I have ever heard in my life. And so do you believe you're in good hands with those guys? I do too. I wasn't out here when, when Connor asked if there's anybody new. Are you new in the place? Would you raise your hand if you're new? Awesome. We're so glad that you're here. Welcome. I promise you every single week after this will be so much better because it will be one of those guys. I just get to be here, and so I am just so glad. If you don't know anybody, my name is Luke. I'm one of the youth pastors here at Red Rocks Church, and so now you know somebody. We're on even ground. We're good. I'm excited about tonight. We're in this series, Summer at YA. Um, but there is this underlying theme that we are talking about, and it is this idea of who Jesus is. Who Jesus is. And I loved Connor's message last week because he talked about how Jesus is so loving. Right? John 3.16. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That whoever believed in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And maybe the best part, he did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to what? To save it. That's a part of who he is. Do you know that wherever you find yourself today, that Jesus is on a mission to save you and bring you out of darkness and free you? I love it. I love talking about God's character, about Jesus, because he is so consistent. The Bible says that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never changes. So he was so loving last week on Thursday, and whatever happened between last Thursday and this Thursday, he is still so loving. I don't know about you, but that is good news to me, because I'm a human being. I'm a human being, and uh, I can be killing it on one day, like eating kale and spinach and like in the word, just crushing life. And then the next day I can be eating Dairy Queen, not opening the Bible. Like I am so inconsistent, but I'm so thankful that God is faithful and he is consistent. And so I'm so stoked about this. Um, I just said that I'm so stoked. 
I'm so stoked about this series. Jesus is what we're talking about. Tonight, though, I might flip the script a little bit. Because last week we talked about who Jesus is, like his character. But tonight I want to ask you a question, young adult. Who is Jesus to you? Like, who is Jesus to you? Because I think that our confession and our declaration of who Jesus is might be the most important thing about us because you are going to face trial. You're going to go through darkness. There are going to be things that you are not going to understand. But I wonder tonight, who is Jesus to you? It's the most important thing about you, who you believe God is. And so tonight we're going to be in each of the Gospels. We're going to be all over the place. So bear with me. But we're going to start in Mark and we're going to end up in John. And so if you have your Bibles tonight, you can turn to Mark chapter 8, starting in verse 27. Anybody got their Bible in the house tonight? Oh, come on. I see the phone screen. I love it. Innovative. Millennial. Come on. It's great. It's great. If you don't have your Bible, it's going to be on the screen, so you're all good. But I think before we get into this, I think that we need to talk about some context of what's going on in this story because this is right after Peter makes one of the most prolific steps of faith by walking on water with Jesus, right? And then Jesus calms the storm and they get to the other side and they exit the boat, but people are searching in every single boat looking for this Jesus. And can I just tell you that there are people today in your world that are searching every single boat there is looking for some kind of hope and meaning and it can be found in Jesus and Jesus alone. These people are searching in every single boat and Jesus is like, this is getting cray. We gotta go up to the hillside, right? And so he goes up and he feeds the 4,000 people with the, with the young boys lunch. He's a miracle worker. But then he starts to talk to these people and he starts to say some things that really don't make sense, really don't line up. They're hard to receive. He starts to say, hey, you want to be with me because I fed you. You want to be with me because of what I can do for you. You're not getting it. You're not getting the whole picture. I'm telling you that the work is to believe in the one whom the Father has sent. But just believe in me. Just believe in me. And then he goes on to get even more weird. He says, anybody who comes to me, I will not reject them. It doesn't matter what the rap sheet says. It doesn't matter what their history is. It doesn't matter how bright their future is. I will not reject anybody who comes to me. And then it gets even more weird because Jesus goes, this is also the work. To eat my flesh and drink my blood. What? Like, Jesus, you're crazy, man. And so at this point, they're hearing this teaching, and so some of the disciples are starting to walk in a different direction. They're saying, I don't know about this Jesus guy. And so we pick up in Mark chapter 8. Young adults, when you're ready, would you just say, I'm ready? All right, I get it. I'm a youth pastor. Some of you guys are like, what is this guy wearing? Like, it's a little bit too, like, energetic. I don't know. Like, can I trust this guy? Uh, Maybe you can, maybe you can't. I don't know. I'll let you decide. Jesus and the disciples left from Galilee and went up to the villages near Philippi. As they were walking along, he asked them, who do the crowds say I am? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say you are just one of the other prophets. And then he asked them, but who do you say I am? Peter replied, you're the Messiah. But Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about Who do you say I am? Young adults, who do you say Jesus is? It's the most important thing about you. Do you know that? 
And so tonight I'm going to talk to you about what do we do when we don't understand what's going on? What do we do when things seem too dark? What do we do when things seem so hopeless? And so if you're taking notes tonight, girls, you're so good at this. You got like pictures, you got like diagram, you got a Venn diagram of like there's this dude and there's this dude and if, uh, which circle I end up in, like how it rolls out, like you're so good at taking notes. If you're taking notes tonight, you can title this message, Jesus is my hope my hope. Will you bow your head and will you pray with me before we get into this? Jesus, I love you so much. And I am so thankful for an opportunity to speak to these people, the best people in the world. God, I believe you're doing something so special in Denver through Red Rocks Church. And I'm just grateful that I get to be a part of it. All of us are. And so God, we just acknowledge that there are people in here who are hurting, that there are people in here who are discouraged. God, I pray would my words be so fresh? Would it be like water to a weary soul? God, I pray tonight, would you speak? Because we're listening. We love you. We ask for breakthrough tonight. And God, we ask for breakthrough in the Denver Broncos. Would you please get rid of Joe Flacco? Nobody wants him for a quarterback. And everybody said, amen. Come on, I'm just being real about it. It just is what it is. Nobody wants Joe Flacco on their team. Am I right? Seriously, goodness. Young adults, I wonder, when you were younger, did you ever threaten your parents that you were going to run away? Anybody in the house? I, I was like the king. I, I, was, I was a lot of things when I was younger, but let me tell you, compliant was not one of the things that I was. Like, I was a defiant young man. Like, I wanted my way, and if you wanted me to do something, you better tell me what to do, not what not to do, right? Like, if you want me to do something, don't tell me not to do something, because... I'm just going to rebel. That's just who I was. I was a lot of things, but I was not compliant. And so my parents had a lot of methods. Uh, they had a litany of ways that they were going to try to discipline me and get me to do what they wanted me to do. And it always started with the final countdown. Like it always started. I knew I was in trouble when my mom was like, Luke, I'm going to count to three, and if you don't straighten up by the time I get to three, you're going to be in big trouble, right? Anybody else in the house tonight, their mom, the final countdown, oh my goodness, that was me. And you knew it was serious when it was a Luke Mac. Luke Mac, you're going to be in trouble if I get to three and you haven't fixed your attitude. You're going to be in trouble if you haven't fixed yourself up. One, two, three, that, that's it. Go to your room. Anybody get sent to the room? Oh, my goodness, what would happen in the room of detention? My, my parents, like, they used the wooden spoon. Yes, my parents spanked me. Yes, they spanked me really hard. I don't know if that's your way, but it was my way. And it was okay if mom was going to be the one following me to the room. But if dad was coming, oh, my goodness, you knew that that spanking was going to be extra hard. And so here was my method to get out of it. I would go to my room. This is the actual suitcase from when I was five years old. I would go to my room, and I would immediately pull this thing out on the bed. I would start packing everything that I had, which really, what do I have? I'm five years old. Are you kidding me? Like, I'm, like, putting, like, socks in there, like, I don't know, some snacks in there. I'm putting my G.I. Joe. Like, like what are these things going to do if I actually run away and a mountain lion comes after me? What's G.I. Joe going to do for me? Like, I got nothing. But I always would pack this, and then I'd come storming out my room. And I'd be like, Mom, I'm running away. I'm sick of this. 
I don't trust you. I don't understand why you would do this to me. I am out of here. And my mom was a savage. My mom would respond with, all right, see you later. <laughs> right? Like she did not care. I, I was out the door and she didn't, she could care less. I always stop by the kitchen to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, right? Because that's like the only thing you know how to make when you're five years old. I'm out the door and I would make sure when I slammed the door, I would respond with this. I'd say, I'm not coming back. Right? Like I'm not just running away. I, I'm never coming back. I, I would get on onto the street and I would like pick up rocks and different treasures I found, like trying to trying to keep myself in the vibe of running away. And uh, I would always get to this place, though, where I'm like, man, this is bad. Like, I'm getting so hungry out here. Like, this peanut butter and jelly is not, not that good. And, and, you know, maybe, like, going back home really isn't that bad. Maybe, like, the darkness of my room really isn't as bad as I thought it was. Maybe, may, maybe it's not what I thought it was. And I would always plan to start heading home, like, right around 5.30, right, because you know that's when mom's going to start cooking. And hopefully dad's at the dinner table enjoying dinner, and so everybody's just forgotten about what you've been sent to detention for or what you're running away from, right? I would run back, and I, and I, I would just... I, w I would eat with my family. But dad never forgot. Dad never forgot. I think, though, this is how, like, our faith is sometimes. I think this is how we are with our faith, right? Like, when, when something doesn't make sense with our relationship with God or what he's doing in our life, or, or maybe there's something that we, we don't understand, what do we do? In the recess of our mind, we pack our bags and we go searching somewhere else for hope. Is that just me? I don't know about you, but when I don't understand what God is doing and it seems like breakthrough is nowhere to be found, I am out the door and I'm saying maybe I can find hope somewhere else. And I think that this is exactly where the disciples are in this moment in this story, right? Like they're saying, if you're going to do this how I think it should be done, Jesus then I'm here to stay. But if this is going to cause me some confusion and it's going to cause me to be in pain, then I'm out of here. And so let's step back into the story. But instead of looking at Mark's account, let's step, step back in with John's account in John 6, verse 60 through 65. It says this, many of the disciples said, this is very hard to understand. How can anyone accept it? Jesus was aware that his disciples were complaining, so he said to them, does this offend you? Then what will you think when you see the Son of Man ascending into heaven again? The Spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. And the very words I have spoken to you are the Spirit of life, but some of you do not believe me. Then he said that people can't come to me unless the Father gives them to me. So right off the bat, young adults, we find out that the disciples, they're not just mad, they're not just weary, they're not just doubting a little bit, but they are straight up offended by what Jesus is doing in the middle of their dark time. Because right, right before this, right, Jesus had told them his ultimate plan for them was to believe. His ultimate plan was that every single person who comes to him would not be turned away. His ultimate plan was to 
eat of his flesh and drink his blood. In other words, Jesus is saying that his ultimate plan in the middle of darkness is to believe and to remain. And so the disciples are like indignant. They're like, are you kidding me? This is your plan? How can I accept that with what's going on? And so we have to look at the scripture. We know that the whole entire New Testament was written in Greek. And so this this word for difficult or hard is this word scleros. And it doesn't mean that it was hard to understand or hard to comprehend. What this word means is that they couldn't get behind that this was Jesus' plan for what was going on in their life. They couldn't accept that this was actually going to work. And so they're straight up offended that Jesus' response to them in the middle of their culture is for them to believe and remain. Because at this time and culture, the Roman Empire was reaping havoc on everyone and everything. And so, of course, when Jesus responds to their darkness and the darkness of the Roman Empire by saying, believe, remain, everybody can come to me, eat my flesh, drink my blood, of course these guys are indignant. Because what they thought the plan should be is that we're going to war. Like, they thought that the Messiah was going to come back and say, all right, ladies and gentlemen, get your pitchforks, get your swords, get everything you have, because we are going to war against our enemies. But Jesus responds in saying something completely different. And so if that is what you're expecting, of course you're going to be offended when Jesus responds to your darkness like This, and young adults, I want you to understand something tonight. God will never violate his word. He'll never violate his word. Isaiah 40 verse 8 says that the grass will will wither, everything will fade, but his his word will last forever, right? God will not violate his word, but let me tell you, God has no problem with violating your understanding of what should happen. He has no problem violating your understanding. And so obviously, young adult, we are not sitting under the regime of the Romans. We're not sitting in that type of darkness. But I wonder tonight if there's something going on in your life that so completely contradicts what you think Jesus should be doing in the middle of your darkness that you are questioning whether or not Jesus is actually worthy of all of your hope. I wonder if you're questioning You know, it's easy to stand and make a confession and say, Jesus is my hope when everything is going perfect, when everything makes sense. It's easy, right? We are such human beings of, hey, if I have my things, then Jesus, you have my hope. Jesus, if this makes sense to me, then I'm I'm in. That's who we are. When we have what we want, Jesus has our hope. But I wonder, young adults, what is your confession when things don't make sense in your life? What is your confession? Who is Jesus to you when a friend walks away from you? Who is Jesus to you when you don't get the job? Who is Jesus to you when you don't have a spouse and there ain't no prospects? Whoo, that's a dark place. Who is Jesus to you when enemies are attacking you? 
Who is Jesus to you in the middle of sickness? Or maybe even worse, when sickness takes its toll. Who is Jesus to you? Are you offended at Jesus? Or are you hopeful? You see, before 2018, I would stand here and I would tell you, yeah, Jesus is my hope. I would tell you that. But 2018 was literally the year from hell. Anybody else, 2018, not the greatest year for you? I remember being like, this is going to be the best year ever, and then quickly come to find out it's the worst year ever. February rolls around, I'm literally about to go to the Olympics. I'm about to go to Korea to do something that I never dreamed of. And the night before I leave, I find out some news that doesn't make sense. You see, I come from a family where everything is perfect. I come from a family where everything is put together. And something happened in our family that completely ripped us apart. And I'm somebody who struggles with depression and anxiety enough as it is. 2018 seemed to be the year of hope. All of a sudden, it's the year of depression and anxiety. I didn't understand what was going on. I'd never been more attacked as a minister than I was in 2018. Worst year of my life. I couldn't do anything right. You get up here, you pastor people, you do the best you can, but you're not God, right? And people sometimes expect you to be. And I was hurt and I was offended. I began to go to and fro looking for where my hope was. God, do you want me to go to to another job? Should I quit? Should I leave? Where should I go? Because this is just not adding up. This just isn't making sense. And I found myself in a very shadowy place. Man, where I just couldn't reconcile what was going on around me. I was so offended. I was so hurt. Nothing made sense. But here's what I learned in that season, young adults. And wherever you're at, if you're in a season of darkness and things aren't adding up, I want you to hear this. God will 100% strip you of every single false hope that you have so that you can discover that Jesus is the only one worthy of your hope. He will 100% strip you of everything. And in so many ways, this will violate your understanding. In so many ways, you will walk into church and be like, I don't even know why I'm here anymore. Because breakthrough's not coming. I'm in darkness. This doesn't make sense. And my declaration of faith, even in the darkness times, doesn't have to be dependent on what I'm going through. I learned that my declaration, my confession of faith of who Jesus is doesn't have to be dependent upon what's going on around me. It doesn't have to be dependent upon what's going on in my family because my hope is not in my family. My hope is not ultimately in my friends. My hope is not ultimately in my job. My hope is in Jesus, and I stand here today knowing that Jesus is my hope. But listen, when God violates your understanding, you got an opportunity. You got a choice to make. Are you going to be offended or are you going to be hopeful? When God violates your understanding, Christian, are you going to be offended or are you going to be hopeful? Because you can stand there and you can scream, God, why is this happening to me? This doesn't make sense. 
Or you can stand in faith saying, God, I believe in you because I know that you are my only option. God, I believe in you. Jesus, I trust you because I know where I've been and I know where I'm at right now and I know that you're not done with me. And so you can either stand and scream saying why or you can stand and you can make a confession and say, Jesus, I believe that you are my hope. Human effort accomplishes nothing. Jesus is my hope. And you can never truly confess that Jesus is your hope, like truly, 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 and believe it, unless you are in a place where he's all you have. You can never truly believe that Jesus is your hope unless you're in a place where you find out that he is all you have. And so listen to me, young adult. Do you understand when you are in a dark place in your life or a dark season, that God may have actually placed you there and allowed it to happen because God's going to walk you out of that with a treasure and a gift that you can't get anywhere else. An understanding, a belief that will never fail you and can never be taken away from you. But how many of you know that when your understanding is violated, the easiest thing to do can be to go try to find your hope in somebody else's understanding. Easiest thing to do. I don't know about you. I don't like critics too much. But when I don't understand something, I will go running to the critics. What do you think? What, who, who am I? What, what's going on? Who do you think God is? What's going on with my situation? I don't know about you. I'm not the biggest fan of haters. They're real. But I will go running to people who have an opinion about me when I don't know what's going on, when I don't understand. And this is why I love Mark's account of Peter's confession. Because not only does Jesus ask the disciples if they're offended, he also asks them this. He says, who do the crowds say I am? Well, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say, that, you know, you're just some guy. You're just one of the prophets. Jesus is setting them up so that they can see what truly matters. And why I wonder today, who do the crowds that you're around say Jesus is? Who are you running to to try to give you an opinion of who Jesus is? Right? Do you go in, in, in your situation, in your circumstance, you say, I just can't understand what's going on. What do you think is going on? And people will tell you, you know, I, I don't know Jesus. I mean, obviously he was here. I think he's a good guy. I love his stance on, man, social justice. He seems like a good guy. He really treats these women really well. Like, he just seems like a great guy. But I, I don't know if he was actually the one who walked out of the grave. I don't, I don't know if he's actually the one who is alive today. Maybe for you, it's, it's not what the crowds say around you, but maybe for you, you are giving your circumstance and your situation the greatest position of voice in your life. You see, young adults, I, I believe that our struggle with faith, it doesn't come from our inability to hear God because you need to know you are a child of God and God is always speaking to you. He's always speaking. He never stops. So our struggle with faith it doesn't come from our inability to hear God's voice at times. I think our struggle with faith comes from our willingness to hear others' voice about who Jesus is. And I wonder, 
If the reason you haven't experienced breakthrough in your life yet, young adult, is because you are more open to hearing what others have to say about who Jesus is in your life, or you're so willing and open to your circumstances and looking at them and focused on them that you can't even hear Jesus' voice if he's trying to speak to you. And so instead of waiting for God to move, instead of waiting for Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life, to minister to you in the darkness of your cave, you've packed up your bags, and you are running away. You're out of here. I don't know. If Jesus is my hope, who do you say Jesus is? You're gone. Your confession will determine the trajectory of your life. It's not about who others say Jesus is. What matters is who you believe Jesus is. And Jesus goes on to back this up with this question in Mark chapter 8. He says, then he asked them, but who do you say I am? Who do the crowd say I am? But who do you say I am? And Peter replied with this. He says, you are the Messiah. As disciples are walking off left and right, as Jesus completely violates their understanding and their comprehension of what should be done in their situation, in the middle of confusion, Peter has the audacity to stand up and say, you know what, I don't, I don't know what's going on. It seems bad, it seems dark, it seems hopeless, but Jesus, you are my Messiah, you are my hope. How does Peter... Have this type of audacity to say that in the middle of all of this turmoil, in the middle of when he is being attacked, in the middle of when people are searching for Jesus to imprison him and kill him. How does he have the audacity to say, you are my hope? You see, if you want to make a confession in the middle of when your, your understanding has been violated, you need to understand that your testimony is the fire to your confession. Your testimony is the fire to your confession. Let's look at where Peter had been at with Jesus. When Peter makes his confession of Jesus, he's already been there and he's already done that with Jesus. He has remained and he has believed. And so Peter can stand there saying, you know what? I've seen it all. Jesus, you have my hope. I trust in you. Up to this point of his confession, Jesus had met with a woman at the well, showing and proving that Jesus really does care about people and their dignity. He healed the Roman officer's son, revealing that nothing is impossible for him and you can love your enemies. He despised human religious approval, proving that he doesn't care what people think. He feeds the 5,000, proving that he can provide. He walks on water, proving that no matter how dark or how stormy it gets, by faith, you can walk out of any situation that you may find yourself in. Your testimony is the fire to your confession. By remaining with Jesus, Peter had seen everything he needed to see. It wasn't working. It wasn't human effort. He was able to stand there and make his confession because he'd already seen Jesus. He'd already seen who he was. There's always hope. And he said, Jesus is my hope. Jesus, you are the Messiah. And Jesus goes on to record, John goes on to record that Jesus had one more question for the 12 remaining disciples. After everyone had left, 
after it seemed like they'd taken the L. It seemed like they'd lost. It seemed like it was all over. This is John chapter 6, verse 67 through 69. Band, you can come on out. Then Jesus turned to the 12 and asked, are you also going to leave? Like, you know what the crowds say? I heard what you said, Peter. Great confession. But are you going to leave? And I love Peter's response here. He replies, Lord, to whom are we going to go? Where are we going to go? You have the words that give eternal life. And we believe and we know that you are the Holy One of God. And so Peter responds saying, I'm not going to pack up, Jesus. I'm not going anywhere. I believe you. I trust in you. You are my hope. It doesn't matter how dark it gets. It doesn't matter what's going on that I don't understand. I just believe that you care about me. We believe that you love us. And so we're not going anywhere. You don't have to change a thing. Peter's like, it's just better because you're here. I just love being with you, Jesus. Because I know that if you're here, no matter how dark it gets, anything is possible. I can keep on walking. You are my hope. When I was in the darkest moments of my life last year, my friend Theo spoke a verse of scripture over me. And he began to prophesy this over my life. And I want to give this to you today, no matter where you find yourself. This is Isaiah 45, verse 2 through 3. And I'm going to read it in the King James Version because it's just how I've come to memorize it. I love it. It says this. It says, I will go before thee, and I will make the crooked places straight. I will break in pieces the gates of brass. I will cut sunder the bars of iron, and I will give you the treasures of the darkness and hidden riches of secret places that thou mayest know that I, the Lord, which call thee by name, am the God of Israel. Do you hear that, young adults? That in the middle of your dark place, in the middle of your misunderstanding, God has something for you in the dark place. That he has treasures for you to find that you can only find in the dark place. He has riches for you in secret places. Listen to me. This is the substance of profession. This is what I want you to take away today. This is three things. When you can stand and you can say, Jesus is my hope, you can have peace. Because you just understand that Jesus is so far ahead of you, that he's working everything out for your good, that it's not about your human effort, it's not about how good you can be, it's not about how hard you can work, it's not about how powerful you are, it's not about how talented you are. You can stand in a dark place and have so much peace, understanding that breakthrough is coming and it has nothing to do with me. And so Jesus, I am going to remain and I am going to rest in this peace. Purpose, treasures in darkness, riches from secret places. When you are in a dark place, God has something for you there. God has something for you there that you can only find by being in a dark place. You'll never know if Jesus is actually your hope until you realize that he's actually your hope because of the circumstance you're in. Purpose. When Jesus is your confession in a dark place, young adults, you have permanence. Thou mayest know. You have permanence. 
You can stand in any situation, no matter what you're going through, and say, I will remain because God is with me and he will never forsake me. I can have peace. I can have purpose. I can have permanence because I just believe that God is consistent even when I'm not. And even when it doesn't make sense, God is going to do something in this situation. It doesn't matter when it is. I'm going to remain and I am going to stay believing. I wish I could tell you, young adults, that God is done offending your understanding and your doctrine. I wish I could tell you, young adults, today that he was done offending what you think should happen. I wish I could tell you that he was done violating things, but he's not. He's not. He's not even done violating the disciples' understanding in this story because right after Peter makes this prolific statement saying, Jesus, I believe that you are the hope. I believe you are my hope. You know how Jesus responds? He says, cool, Peter, I'm going to die. Right after this, he tells the disciples that he's going to be put to death. What? Are you kidding me? You want to talk about violating understanding? giving yourself over to the enemy for victory? How does that make sense? It doesn't. Jesus would go on to allow himself to be captured and put to death by the Roman Empire and the religious Sanhedrin, the enemy. Guards would come and they would take him as an innocent man. And the disciples would fight because, of course, this can't be the plan. This doesn't make sense. Why would Jesus give himself over to the enemy if he says that he has this plan and if he says that he's going to overcome? Why would he do this? And so the disciples are indignant and offended again. And so they begin fighting all of these people. And Jesus says, no, stand down. Peter, put your sword away. I'm going to this place. I'm going to a dark place, and I'm going to make something beautiful out of it. Jesus would be beaten by Roman soldiers, marred, spit on, abused. And then he would lay down on a cross and be crucified and lifted high on the highest hill called Calvary so that all could see that the living hope of the world was about to take his last breath and die. You want to talk about misunderstanding, young adults? The one who proclaimed to be the way, the truth, and the life, the one who said, I am going to bring peace into this place, is now dead and hanging on a cross. You want to talk about time out. Could you imagine being one of Jesus' followers at this time? Could you imagine being one of the people who actually loved Jesus? It would have felt that all of your hopes, all of your dreams, everything that you wanted and desired had been put in time out forever. It probably felt like God counted down to three and placed all your hope behind time out. What a letdown. There he is. The savior of the universe, spread wide, hanging on a cross, bleeding, and the enemy has him. You want to talk about the lights going out? I think that's the moment. I think all of these people had probably thought, Jesus let us down. What's going on? God is surely 
let us down. But what does that prophecy say in Isaiah 45, young adult? That messianic prophecy. It says, I'm going before thee. It says that I am going to make the crooked places straight. It says that I am going to take down the iron bars. It says that I am going to darkness to bring out treasures. I am going to a secret place so that I can give you a gift that nobody else can give you. Young adults, outside of the grave, all human understanding was counting to three, thinking that all hope had been put to time out, while inside the grave, in the middle of darkness, in the middle of the stench of death, all of heaven was counting to three because they knew that on the third day, on three, Jesus would walk out of the grave and he would conquer everything for you and me. Will you stand if you believe that today? Heaven was counting to three. I came here to tell you, young adult, no matter where you are at, no matter what you are experiencing, no matter what you're going through, no matter what doesn't make sense, if God has placed you in a dark place, it's because he is going to bring something so great out of you. I came to tell you today, no matter what it looks like, breakthrough is right around the corner, and it's not in time out. Heaven is counting to three so that you can have breakthrough. But can you rest? Can you remain? And can you believe? Because that is the work. It is not in human effort. It is by the Spirit that we achieve eternal life. He went to the grave. He went to the dark place so that he can bring the treasure of salvation. And don't you dare for a second think that salvation is a small gift. It is the greatest gift. The fact that you and I can stand in here, imperfect people, and experience God. Are you kidding me? Thank you, Jesus. I don't have a right to be offended. I'm just grateful. Thank you, Jesus, that with my imperfection and my doubt and all of the things that I don't understand, that I can stand here right now in worship and I can say, Jesus, you are my hope. That is who you are. I can stand and I can worship. Will you bow your head with me and close your eyes? I want to lead you into a moment of faith. I want to ask a couple questions. The first question is this. Maybe you're in here tonight, and man, everything in your life is telling you that there is no God. There is no Messiah. There is no Jesus. Like if you're standing on logic today by what you see in your life, you'd say, man, there's no way. But maybe today, Jesus has whispered to your heart and said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, that no one can come to the Father except through me. And you realize that he went to a really dark place to bring you salvation. He died with your sin upon him, and he walked out of the grave with your victory and your salvation in his hand. And I just want to ask you, do you believe in Jesus? I'm going to count to three, and if you're in this room, and for the first time, you'd like to accept the salvation and the gift that Jesus has for you. I'm going to ask, would you, would you raise your hand? One, Jesus loves you so much. Two, there's no situation too dark. There's nothing too great for God to do something in. 
The day of salvation is today. Don't let it pass you by. Three, young adult, would you raise your hand if you want to accept Jesus for the first time in this room today? Awesome. Awesome. I see you. 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 Praise God. Praise God. The second question is this. Maybe you, you are a Christian. Man, and God has violated your understanding of what you think you should do in your situation. And maybe today you want to stand and you want to make a de declaration. And you want to say, Jesus, I say you are my hope. If that's you, if you want to put your hope in Jesus again today in a new and a fresh way, would you raise your hand? Hands all over the place. Amen. 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 Let me pray for you. God, I thank you so much for what you're doing in this room. I thank you that you love us, that you care for us. God, I thank you for those who just received salvation. God, may they know that that is the greatest gift ever, and it costed you everything. And so when they look at you and they see you wide open and on a cross for them with their sin, God, may they see that they are so loved. God, may they see that you are so good. May they see that you will never let them down. And God, I pray, would your Holy Spirit begin to speak to them about what they just did and the decision they just made. And God, I pray for us in here who want to re-up on our declaration of faith, on our confession, no matter what it looks like. God, I pray for us. God, would you speak to us? Would you encourage us? May we go back out of here with a heart shift, with a change of spirit into the darkness, understanding that you didn't save us from the world, but you saved us for the world. And so, Jesus, we trust you today. You are worthy of all of our worship. You are worthy of all of our praise. We love you. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for being in this room today. Jesus, we love you. And it's in Jesus' name. And everybody said, young adults, let's worship.